the, the topic was really curating subcultures and it's it's quite a it's quite a distinct shift between the sort of regular material that we're familiar with in art galleries and how you display it, how you research it, how you make it the how you make the ephemeral tangible. So I was very interested when I first heard about this exhibition, when it was first mooted, before it was an exhibition, asked would we be interested if such a thing was, was put together? And my immediate response was absolutely. We would love to see how you would deal with this material. So in the first instance, um, and I suppose I was intrigued to know whether it started as an idea around urban culture, generally urban culture, or whether it, you immediately moved to the idea of working with music. The first idea was to make a, uh, an exhibition about art and music and films, cross over, cross cross genre. Then uh, I decided to uh, show the 80s because it was a very interesting time for the for the uh, it was a very interesting subculture that time more interesting than in the 70s or in the 60s I think and I know the time I, I lived you lived it, <laughs> lived it a little bit. Um, Yes, and then we uh, contact the photographers, the, the artists, the musicians, the filmmakers, and uh, yes, made this exhibition. Uh, we're going to do two, two ah, microphones. Thank you. Yep. Perfect. So, so the eighties. Tell us, tell us what was so resonant about the eighties for you in Germany. Mm -hmm. The eighties was a time uh, you. you could do everything. It was uh, the, the slogan was "just do it." I can, I can say, and uh, the artists try to uh, the, the the students of um, art schools, Gründeten uh, bands, have uh, made music together, but they are no professional musicians. But they just uh, uh, play music together and perform. And um, at the same time, they uh, paint uh, a colored and expressive and, and experimental uh, paintings, very big paintings like this, or bigger paintings. It's interesting for us because in the, the art history that I was taught, um, Neo-expressionism was treated as if it, if, as if it was in the, it, within the canon of Western art, not related to subculture specifically, but simply somehow um, uh, a re-engagement with German expressionism and an extension of it. As a sociologist, what do you think it was about the 80s that gave rise to this sense of just do it? Don't worry whether you're expert, whether you're specifically trained, just do it. I think it was the, the political situation in Germany. You have had uh, uh, the DDR, can I say? DDR, G GDR uh, uh, East Germany and West Germany. But uh, the artists here are from West Germany and one band is from East Germany and East Germany, Germany was an island in the DDR. Therefore it was a very special place. Uh, uh, Maine goes there because they um, d didn't want to go to the army. Therefore they, they young men go to Berlin and they uh, yes, had bands and, and, and so on. So we're, we're, we're looking at a broad socio-political situation, a very specific one where there's this little island of, of a so-called Western freedom in the middle of the DDR, mm -hmm. East Germany. So artists of all, of all practices, of all ways of expressing themselves, all felt empowered to, to be challenging. Is that, is that a reasonable explanation? Yes. 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> well. <laughs> and and your your decision was it? You decided to look at the eighties. Your experience. So you, and in the eighties, of course, there was this absolutely remarkable transdisciplinary dialogue. I mean, as you say, artists in art schools. Mm. Play. Making music, whether yes. they were trained as musicians, uh, film seems to have been a very important component. Um, there was also access to electronic ways of representing sound and music electronically. Yes. Do you want to comment on that? Yes, uh, because the new uh, electronic electronic possibilities uh, made more people to to. To make music okay. and to, to make Super 8 films, and the possibility was there. You yes. should, uh, yeah, as I said, um, it, was not, it was not necessary to play, to be an, a professional musician. You can, can do music without uh, um, learning an yeah. instrument. Right. And, and, I suppose the other thing that, because I hope many of you have had a look around the room and realised the diversity of, of performances that, that we're able to see, but there are only seven bands here. And so I know from experience when you're looking at, at an area that hasn't been well worked over in terms of art historians or museum people, gallery people making exhibitions, you have to be highly selective. You actually have to do a lot of the work. There hasn't been the process and the, the research sitting behind it, so it's what you do. So tell us about your choices, because we're fascinated to know why some bands are here and why others aren't. Mm. Yes, there were many bands in that time, but many, some bands are not very interesting. But I think this are, for me, uh, one of the most interesting bands in that time. And I choose uh, the bands in, in, in different uh, places, different cities, from uh, Berlin, West Berlin, and East Berlin, and Hamburg, and Düsseldorf, and Munich. These are the, the, the cities where the, the subculture was very uh, busy. Or can I say busy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the, the bands are very uh, are different, work different. Uh, for example, the Einstürzen in Neubauten. Um, this On this band, panel? Yes. Say, search the. And their film is there? Yes. It was a band um, from West Berlin. And they, the work is very intensive, and they search uh, for, for, for noise for noise and they use German words, German lyrics, political lyrics and um, the music was very hard and loud and e experimental. Can I just, uh, in one of the, maybe it was in the film we saw on Friday night, the um, B-movie, uh, B B movie. Um, Lust and Sound in Berlin yes. and there's footage of the audience throwing things at the musicians and the musicians picking things up and throwing them back saying is that the best you can do <laughs> haven't you got any more to and it seemed to me that the, it wasn't the, the relationship between audience and performer was quite different to what we're more familiar with now yes, it, yes. there wasn't that sort of separation and, and, and sort yes. of passive reverence it was very much as if you were trying to see if you could goad the audience into responding in a way that was kind of uh, maybe appreciative but also just as likely to, to try to um, break into your performance. Yes. How important was that kind of It was shift? really important. They, the, the, the musicians didn't want to be on stage and the stars. They want to... Um, what is called uh, with the publicum. They wanted to interact. To with interact the, with the with, with, the, with, with, the, with, the, with the audience. Yes. Yeah. Um, Ash Wednesday is here. Ash, did you have things thrown at you? In Berlin, 
Yeah. So, so, Einstosender, the Neubutton was was about noise provocation. Tell us about some of the other bands. Yes, uh, this is a band from Munich, FSK, Freiwillige Selbstkontrolle. They have all they have uh, German German names, and uh, the lyrics are in German. Yes, that was new that time in the seventies. Many German musicians uh, have uh, English lyrics, mm. and sh- they are an intellectual band. I think they they had an mag- a magazine called Mode und Verzweiflung, and uh, the music is very simple, very yeah. It's 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 not professional music, but the the lyrics are very interesting. I think. They come from Munich. So did they come out of... They were publishing the magazine before they were a band? Yes, they published the magazine and they decided... One day they decided to, to make music together. But they, As only, you do. Yes, but only the, the, the singer was a, a musician. All the others are no musicians. Oh. They just do it, yes. Just make music together. And Mode and Verzweiflung means fashion and desperation. Yes. yes. <laughs> so again, all the bands with a very strong um, social and political consciousness? No, no. You have a band uh, like Der Plan, where is it? Um, on, on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> They, uh, they are artists, they are painters, they are painters, and they also decided, they have, a gal- have had a gallery and they decided to make music together, and it was a little bit like Dada and Fluxus. Mm. Um, uh, they, they have costumes and, and they masks and so on, and the, the, the lyrics are very um, strange. No political lyrics, only uh, Dada lyrics. Okay, so why was there a, 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 a re-engagement with Dada and Fluxus? Why? Yeah, at this time. Mm-hmm. Why? As many, many, many artists uh, uh, used it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why. Because <laughs> it would sort of drifted away with the rise of modernism, hadn't it? Yeah. Do you know? Uh, do you know why they, they used Dara and Fluxus? Because um, you could be it anybody was, who wanted to be doing anything you wanted to do. You know, there, there, was, there, was, there, was, there was freedom for them. It's, it's, it's interesting because so much, of, so much of the work that we see in this show and the, the attitudes are about challenging whatever the, the current social canons. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting that there would be... Oh, here we go. That there would be um, a return to a particular historical period. I'd just like to know more. And whatever I've read, it doesn't explain it. It just said it says that it happened. And I'm sure in your research you'll come across some specific... Or you could maybe talk to some of the artists some of the performers who in, re-engaged with Dada. Are, are the members of Deplan around? Uh, uh, Moritz Reichelt. Yeah. Which one? And this is Frank Fenster. They have a name to uh, a label because they didn't want to, to, uh, um, to work with a big label, big, big professional labels. They want to do it for Right. So maybe, maybe um, there was a sort of a social model in Dada and Fluxus, the idea of stepping, just simply taking the idea of stepping outside social norms and mores. Yes. And was this, it, it was as straightforward as that. It just gave them a model, a way of 
of uh, conducting themselves. Okay, yes. that's interesting. But, but some other bands uh, don't uh, um, work with Dana and Fuchs. No, like Duff, no. they have a very uh, hard music, yeah. provocant text, lyrics, like uh, dance, the Mussolini. Shall we go over to, yes. to Duff? If anybody wants to ask questions, just do, because it's really a conversation. Ah. I mean, in 1980, or in the early 80s, Dance the Mussolini is a decidedly provocative yes. title. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But it was very successful in England. The band oh. was really successful in England, in London, yes. More successful than in Germany. Oh, okay. And there seems to be um, varying degrees of relationship back to, to rock and roll instrumentation. Um, do you want to comment on that? Um, I found, I found um, death. Expre extremely stimulating musically. Yeah. It was very exciting uh, the, the, the way they were using synthesizers and, and having a live drummer was, was, was groundbreaking. This sort of musical level, I didn't understand the lyrics. I wasn't aware of the, the, the um, uh, reaction to American imperialism. That wasn't an issue for me. The, 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 the local was an organic, was rhythmic. Uh, entity with their music, which I found very clear. Right. Uh, and they were a, a, a major inspiration to me from the other side of the world. Yeah. So you, when did you first hear them? Um, probably on alternative radio in Australia in the um, early 80s. Right. In Australia? In Australia. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. interesting. It is yeah, interesting. I was aware of it from the English press. I was interested yes. in German music. Yes. And, um, I think I ordered one of their early records and six months later it finally arrived. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Six months later? Yeah. Oh. Okay. And, and, and was there a, um, a movement like this here in Australia that time? In the 80s? Well, yes. A movement like this, um, I will refer to that, uh, but uh, um, there, was, there was an alternative movement. Against the establishment, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but yes. It, it was it was more of a a local establishment, conservatism rather than an international or national one. We're talking. Mm -hmm. It wasn't so much political issues. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sort of depended which which state you're in, didn't it? Because if you were in Queensland and subject to the Bielke Peterson government. You were very focused. Yeah, well, I definitely wasn't in Queensland. No, yeah. but if you were in Melbourne, it wasn't like that. Not at all. No. <laughs> yeah. But in the late 70s, Ed Cooper et al. were making music that was challenging to the way in which the government was conducting itself in this similarly sort of anarchic um, but they didn't, sense. But they didn't stay there very long, did they? No, they no. didn't stay there very long. And I don't blame them. <laughs> It's worth having a look at some of the films in the other space to get a sense of just what it was like well, for creative people I, I, and why I, they would leave. I was saying before, I, I, I played in a group, we did a concert uh, which was called The Great Train Robbery, which was like a punk concert in Brisbane in 1979. Mm. And um, there's quite a few people there. And I was on stage and it was obvious the task force had arrived and they had battens and truncheons and I have an image of this huge gorilla in a lumberjack jacket just backhanding a 15-year-old girl and her flying through the air in slow motion. This was in the middle of our concert. Really? Um, there was a, a group there called the Victims at the time that would just walk on stage in their punk regalia and just use all the, all the F words and, 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 and make a lot of racket and noise. 
and they would be arrested within a few minutes of themselves walking on stage, yeah. taken down to the police station and just have daylights beaten out of them and thrown into the watch house and maybe let out the next day. And then the next week, next Saturday night, the same thing would happen again in a different location. Okay. That, was, that was the way that they lived from week to week. Yeah. But they didn't have the ability to get out of their, their environment. Yes, yes. So they were, they were rebelling against it, you know, totally hopeless. Yeah. There are probably some people here of the age that wouldn't recognise what it was like in Queensland in terms of the Bjorki-Peterson government. Total police state. Oh, police state, corrupt, mm -hmm. um, an extraordinary situation that, that we think is impossible in Australia, but of course we know that's not true. But I think to a certain extent that sense of being somehow a bit hopeless and uh, that existed at that time also in Germany because there were those two superpowers, there was America, there was Russia, and Germany was right in the middle of Cold War and we felt like we couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, There were just that our, our faith or our future would, would be um, yeah, in the hands of somebody pushing the button. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's why there was this, this sense of either provocation that Duff did or also um, the, the Dada that making no sense or stop making yeah. sense um, yeah. feeling or that, that was really, yeah, that wanted to get out of the people. I think especially yeah. young people were... Yeah, they, 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 they couldn't find themselves there in that established state. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes, please. Let's go back to the curating the subculture, getting a little bit out of the German theme. Um, what, would, what are the key elements that make a phenomenon a subculture, that, are, that make it easily recognizable? We know what mainstream you know, is or what it looks like, but how can you pinpoint a subculture? Can you only do it in hindsight or can you perceive it only when you're there at the moment? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's a good question. Mm -hmm. So what, what were the characteristics of the subculture in Germany? What, what made you think that this was a, a key period for significant subcultural activity or indeed what makes a subculture? Mm. Mm. I think very important was to, to, to be self-controlled. Can I say self-controlled? Yeah, yeah. You mean to, de to have the ability to determine for yourself how things Yes, are. to do what, what you want to do and not uh, to, to illustrate or to as high uh, uh, mainstream, uh, not to be a big uh, uh, rock band or such, such a thing. So to be free of some of the to be free of, of yes, to be that free and not to to not want to earn money with it or to be successful, only to do what you want. I think that that was a was an important uh, thing in the eighties. So. Just reading your, your essay, yeah. you also commented that, um, that being independent of the constraints of mm. the demands for mass audience engagement, that was important. Yes. yes. Um, <coughs> to find a voice that was independent and critical, those, those things were important. But I think that Matilda's, your description earlier of the relationship between what was going on in art schools, what was going on amongst a younger generation who had, and I think taking up Gary's point, who had little hope of having any kind of um, significant voice in the scheme of things, was also critical to the idea of subculture. Is there any other component, any other aspect that you would add to your sense of this group being subcultural? In Germany? In Germany, uh, uh, yeah. in Germany. From um, your experience. I think it was very important that the Germans in that time uh, uh, had German uh, names and German lyrics. I think it was very important. Yeah, because the, 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 the 
I hope the music I industry was, co was, was controlled by um, commercial forces that were in the, the hands of an anglophone world. So if you sang in German, you had little chance of having yes. any kind of yes. significant voice. If you sang in English, you had a better chance. But there was a group who sang in... Neuer, I think. I think Neuer's... No, sang, yeah. in, sang in phony English. Yes, yes. It sounded yes. like English, but in fact it had no meaning. Yes, yes, that's why. Right. So, yes, but it, they so are it not here. It in doesn't the, work so much in the English-speaking mm. world. Well, it actually does sound a little bit like English, but you can't tell what, it's, what they're singing. Yes, but I think it was in the 70s. That, it was, yeah, it was in the 70s, just a little earlier. bit earlier. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting the, the the band Ornament und Verbrechen from the from East Berlin. Say have. English lyrics. Yes. Were, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The lyrics are in English. So they're, little, they're in a, quite a different situation. So yes. Totally yes. It was really a, a different situation because mm -hmm. in, in in East Germany they had have had no chance to play on a in a club or on a. No. They so had they to play. Yes, they played in, in, in special places. It's called piraten gigs. I don't know the English, but pirate gigs. I think what's interesting, though, in the, in the East was that English bands from the 60s, even the Rolling Stones, were, were radical and revolutionary in the context of East Germany. So the yes, English, yes, to, yes. so that music was perceived quite differently in the East than in the West. Yes, yes. So, so to sing yeah. in English would be subversive. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Yes. I remember being being in a car with somebody from the east, and and, and yes. he turned on, he put a, a CD, and it was a Rolling Stone. He turned up very loud and drove very dangerously. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an indication of something against against the society yes, that he. Yes, that's right. Yes, that he was subject to. Yes. So, one of the Dragon singing in English makes some sense in terms of the East, but not in terms of the West. So English was, English was radical. Mm. Yes, it was the imperialistic enemy That's right. uh, of the language of the imperialistic enemy. Yeah, so English. to comply would be to sing in Russian. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I talk in the film I made with the interviews. Yeah. I talk to um, to artists from East Germany, from East mm. Germany in the eighties, and they talk. Uh, they told me that they didn't look to the uh, to the West mm. artists. They look for the artists in the Czechoslovakia, at yeah. Poland, yeah. and 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 so on. Yeah. Not to, not to, to, be, not to, to no, not to the West. It's interesting. But the musicians, they do, because they want to have the Casio and the sampler and the machines, mm. and they took them from, from West Germany. Mm. It was not allowed to take them to East Germany. Are there any more comments about the selection of work? I'm, I'm interested that, that Goodwin Good, for instance, started off in Einstein's Ende, Einstein's Ende. No, Gudrun Gut was one of the original members of Neuland. Ah, Gudrun Gut, Gudrun Gut, I didn't understand. Gudrun Gut, okay. And, yes. and, and I see that there's a number of women, but not a lot. Yes. Was there a place, was there any kind of, I mean, and the whole history of rock and roll is about boys yes. doing Sorry, Ash. <laughs> yes, but Gut und Gut is in the catalogue and in the, in, yes, in, in, in the pushing. woman that was producing music, I think she was pretty much involved with Gudrun and with Neubauten. And just looking around, I can see quite a few women in various groups that, were, that are on display here. But, but I wanted to um, interview her, but there was no time, and she was not sure. in Berlin. But it was my uh, my thought was to interview the musicians who are here, the yes. bands yeah. now, yeah. Yeah. and it doesn't. The, the bands that continue to me. Yes. Yes. But uh, I I'm in contact with Gut und Gut now. 
and perhaps we show some videos in Germany from her. Right. Now it's okay, but yeah. but yes, it was difficult with her. And you made decisions. What was that, that woman's name who was so popular? Um, Nina. 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 Ah, and Nina. I was asked at the opening. Where is Nina? She's busy. She's busy, yes. I was confusing Nina with Nina Harder. They're quite different people. No, no I think sh you mean Nina with uh, Nina. 1900 yes. and Luft Ballons, yes. No, that in the middle of the 80s, um, she was it was yes, and it was more commercial than this yeah. this subculture. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, Nina was not uh, a subculture band. So there's another instance why this was subcultural and not, and not mainstream. That's mm -hmm. it. So subculture and underground are interchangeable terms, you'd say. Or is there any difference? They're a little bit related. Related, but they're not, they're not, not the same. The same. Yes. I recognise them respectively at the time, unless there's a name for it mm -hmm. amongst the people, as in Dada, you mm -hmm. call yep. it subculture. That was, that was, that was a name. Mm -hmm. um, but at, at the time, it's, it's, just a, it's just a reality. Yep. And then it's looked at later on, and, and it's, it's called a subculture. If there's a name for it, it's now finished. Yeah. <laughs> if, it's, if it's called subculture, it's no longer subculture. Yeah. It's only a subculture while you, it's not named. But you told it urban, urban culture yeah. here in, in, in... Urban subculture. Urban, urban, urban okay, subculture. urban subculture. Yeah. I was interested that um, you had the, there was a film, the film with uh, Mark Reedham. Mark Reader yes. from Manchester. Yes. Mark B movie. B movie. B -movie, B -movie. Who, who had worked a little bit with Factory Records at the beginning, yeah, before going to Berlin. And that craft work were quite an influence on, on Joy Division. Yes. Right? Yes. So, and I could see sort of some things in what Mark Reader was interested in that really come from Manchester or related to what was going on in Manchester. And I was wondering what kind of effect that had. Because that's a kind of circle from craft work to to Joy Division, and then and Joy Division fits in in a way in, as a band not unrelated to the bands here, yeah. mm -hmm. and then Mark Reader had a role in Berlin. I was wondering what 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 kind of influences were taking place there. Or what dialogue? Yes, with, with industrial with industrial with industrial music in Manchester, and the influence of industrial music, which also relates relates or comes out of a little bit, craft work in Germany and yeah. Neuer and yeah. so. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, in Germany was in the 70s. They yes. are the yeah. first, first uh, uh, band yeah. who had the, the, the German, yeah. German language, yes. And um, first I, th I thought I should do them here in the, in the exhibition, show them in the exhibition. But I think it was earlier, and they are very popular. And these bands are not so popular than, than Kraftwerk. And, and they had, have had big shows in Germany, in the museums, and in, in the MoMA in New York, and in, in Düsseldorf, and in Munich. Kraftwerk. Initially, they weren't recognized, as far as I could see, in their own country until much later when they were recognised as being the godfathers of techno in the mid-90s. Mm. They were recognised amongst musicians, mm. internationally they were influenced, mm. they did influence many musicians, yeah. but they weren't recognised in Germany as far as I can see all that much. They weren't recognised in the 80s? Not, not to that extent. But not, yes, not, that's right. Not, yes. not in the 70s yes. and 80s. So yes. That's right, yeah. Later on, yeah. after, after techno. I, I, I remember people in, in Berlin telling me that techno was invented in Detroit. They didn't, <laughs> didn't realise that it came from their own country, largely mm. through the sort of Stockhausen School of Electronic mm. Music. Mm. Yes. Yes. yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was an irony which I noticed. Mm. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting also to. Um, 
I mean, when we're making exhibitions, we have a tendency to periodise them, to say, you know, we'll deal with this decade or we'll deal with that decade. And in fact, no creative activity is, is isolated. I mean, it's, it's a kind of... It, it's, it's not linear, but there is an extraordinary circularity and r referencing backwards and forwards. And it's... I mean, if we say we're looking at the 80s, in fact, we can't avoid the fact that... that there are many dialogues at play, like the history of Stockhausen's focus on electronic, yes. yeah. <coughs> other bands, as you pointed out, Richard. Well, it's just, it's a kind of crazy convention that we operate with. But in fact, it distorts our understanding of history. But that, that I feel strongly about, because mm -hmm. it simplifies the world and it suggests that artists should be neat and we should, we who, who document and represent them subsequently, should somehow control the way in which they are and their references and their interests. It's not self-control. Yeah, no, it's not about, <laughs> and it's absolutely not about self-control. No. Historians should distort history. Historians distort history, absolutely. I think uh, the Dusseldorf band seem to be more techno. I mean, the bands here, Freiwilliger and, and DAF, seem to be much more involved with electronic electronic music uh, with, within yeah, with industrial what we think of as industrial music than the other bands some of which are more kind of oh, but, because but, Kraftwerk were Dusseldorf yes well that's what yeah. I'm wonder, wondering whether there was a Dusseldorf thing because it's, it seems most strong amongst Dusseldorf bands yeah. uh, than, than, the, than, the, than the Berlin than the Berlin bands or Hamburg is, is more kind of pop and, uh, I personally also think that there's a, a certain Düsseldorf sound to it, yeah. also with bands like Liaison Dangereux and mm. other bands who were really having that very da 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 that very staccato-like uh, music that we found later on in the 90s, that being repetitive, and I think that's, that's more... Except the Totenhausen. Hmm? Except the Totenhausen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, except the Totenhausen. The Totenhausen, yes, they are from Düsseldorf. They are? Yes. But, uh, but in the early 80s, the Totenhausen were in the uh, club in Düsseldorf, Ratingerhof. Mm. There were 15, I think. Um, Campino. 15. Age 15. Campino was 15. And every, every evening he was in the club and played punk. He was 15. Mm. I spoke to Carmen Knöbel, she, she was the, the owner of the club, and she, now she's uh, the, the, the wife of Imi Knöbel, you know, the, yeah. the artist? Yeah. Yes. And uh, she had the club, and there are all, all the German uh, um, artists like Josef Beuys and Immendorf and Mittendorf and, 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 and Oehlen, they met in the club and made music together. Mm. They played music and made her art. Mm. So I was interested in, in the influence of the Kunst Academy and yes. uh, her boys and and Erlen and some of the people you mentioned yeah. on music at that time through that place. Yes. And and how how much that um, helped create this kind of situation that we're looking at here. I don't. I don't the influence of, of, of the Kunst Academy. And whether there were students from the Kunstakademie who became musicians, but the influence of the people, the atmosphere that's created by those who were professors at the Kunstakademie. Yes, yes. Not only, oh, but, yes. but. Yes. In, in Berlin, I think it was another situation. Where I think not all the musicians were uh, artists or artist students, mm. art mm. students. But in Dusseldorf, most of them were art students, I think. If, if, because we're actually close to, to finish time, um, if we're not going to talk about more of the band specifically in here, can I just ask a couple of questions about the interview? Have, have you all had a chance to listen to the interviews? There's lots of performances that are fascinating, but, but Matilda actually interviewed people. And, um, Clearly, there were very different attitudes to making sound music performance. Yes. And you've spoken with these people, you know, 30 years later. Yes. Tell us about their perception now, their perspective on what they did 
and how they feel about the differences or the similarities between them. It's, it's not it's similar. Not similar. It's not nicht, nicht clear, nicht eindeutig. It's different from It's different, yes, it's different. Not, not from now to then, but different from each other. No, different from each other, yes. Different yeah. from each other. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, some musicians said uh, they didn't want to... to I don't think the microphone's on, it's not. Uh, some of the musicians said they didn't, they never thought that they would be in a, in a museum 30 years later. Uh, but I think the... Is the battery gone? But I think the museums today, they are not uh, uh, places where you only look at pictures or videos. It's an inter interactive places, and you can play music. In, in Munich, in the Haus der Kunst, they often uh, uh, had uh, exhibitions with music and jazz and, and so on. And um, some people said, why do you bring them into a museum? And um, some of the uh, musicians said it to me too, but they, they like it, yes, they like it, but... That never thought it. Mm. Um, and I interviewed some label, label betreiber, uh, owner of labels, and, and so on. They are a little bit younger than, than the musician, musicians, and um, for, for them it is a normal way, or, or normal. Thank you. It's not. Is it? It's no surprise. It's no surprise that they are in, in the museum. Mm -hmm. Is it what you want to? I'm, no. I'm, well, that's that's slightly a different question. But I'm very interested in what. I suppose I'm interested to know if you've got some um, little stories you could tell us about interviewing these people, because musicians, artists, creative people can carry their this sense of distinction from each other through their lives and can be very forceful in that sense. What you were also responding to is something that I'll ask you again in slightly different form and then we finish. So, any stories? <laughs> no, 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 never. I think some musicians don't like each other. Still? Yes. <laughs> But the really? statements are not in the video. I, 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 you cut them out. Uh, yes. I think there was no, uh, not only a community of subcultures. Yeah. Can you characterize those differences? Yes, the first uh, problem was who erfinden, who, who, who invented, invented the, the, the word uh, brilliant diligence, who went it, because it is falsch geschrieben, it's, it's, it's a wrong, mis uh, it is misspelled, yes. 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 it was about who did it, yes. who wrote the song, yes, yes. Who, who gets credit to the writing the song. That's that's often a, often a, uh, uh, an area of disagreement within a group. I mean, groups of artists or mu musicians are a volatile arrangement of people, and really they sort themselves out over time. But you can't expect them to stay together for very long because most of them can't ma maintain relationships with anybody within a couple of weeks. <laughs> so why do so many groups break up? Well, as they become more and more popular. They do become popular and the media picks them up. Egos become inflated so and it doesn't get any better. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Disagreement about who was responsible, but, but other, other differences. Um, some of the, the musicians um, 
played music now. Yep. They are not famous, but, but yes, they played all over the world. But some of them doesn't play music now. They finished yeah. playing music because there is no success. They didn't want to have success, but now if there is no They success, quite like it. They, yes. They're yes. not successful, even yes. though they didn't want to be successful. Mm -hmm. They actually said that they did want to be successful. Mm -hmm. and, and some of them never yeah. admitted. And some of them uh, yeah, develop themselves further on, and, mm -hmm. and some they just different ways. Yes. Mm -hmm. That was interesting for me to speak with these musicians, say, don't want to hear music of that time. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, yes. But, but, but some of them, like Westbam, he's a DJ, he played in the beginning of the 80s on the festival, Genius Brilliant Dilettants. Uh, now he is a very important DJ in Germany in the 90s. Mm. That was interesting for me to discuss mm. with him mm. because I know him from the beginning of the 80s and he played in. Band. Hmm. Hmm. I was interested, just on a slightly different thing, but the museums have changed and consequently museums can show things that they would never have shown before. And, and uh, things that are related to popular culture and now it's not perfectly okay. But with social media and uh, in the way uh, the possibility for making exhibitions has changed, is it actually possible to think we have a subculture now? Yes. <laughs> And Facebook and Twitter, and yes, yes. Is, it, is it even yeah. possible? Because it seems to me the circumstances are so radically different from how they were. Mm -hmm. I don't know that the concept of a subculture is, is, is even possible. Not for young people. No. No, but I think it's really, that... it really concerns me because it means mm -hmm. that there's yeah. no possibility of, the, of that freedom mm -hmm. of, and, and self-making self that you've been talking about. Self-determination in, ma in making. But I think yeah. they are subcultures today, but, but many little subcultures, not such a big movement, it's only little subcultures yeah. now, because of possibility with the internet and so on. Uh, yeah. I guess the kids are working out, you know, the most themselves, and we don't know about it. Yeah. Yes. I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, throughout history, if you want to look at the big subcultures, you would, you would say the Hindi movement. Exactly. It's like a major revolutionary yeah. um, subculture. Absolutely. Once the media had grabbed hold of it, yeah. the American media, yeah. and defined it in their terms, and killed it. presented it to the rest of America, yeah. it gradually became diffused. Yeah. That took a while because the media wasn't, even at that point, wasn't as extensive as it is now. Yeah. The punk movement got picked up very quickly, mm. the media grabbed hold of that, mm. it became commercialized very quickly, yeah. and the Americans uh, invented the word new way yes, to make it right. palatable. Friendly. So the word punk wasn't used, new yeah. way became a palatable thing. Yeah. They could sell yeah, records and commercialized. money out of, and that was quickly refused. Yeah. So over time, mm. any subculture which is worthy of it, mm will be confused very quickly by the media. Yeah. Um, so you could you could extend that to social media now. Mm -hmm. And yeah. It's, it's, it, it depends how clandestine one can be or or groups can be. So it's much more it's much more difficult than the bigger the turnover it's yes. much faster yeah. and you have to keep it more much more secret than the past because it's a there's a history of subcultures, this one, and then the one in the sixties, the one in the fifties which which is you know, poetry and jazz and stuff. Sure. I'm not, I'm not sure I can keep going back, but Dada, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. is like that kind of subculture in the late 50s. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a history of these, there's a continuity of subcultures, in fact. And they are related to each other, it seems to me. They're not completely new things. There is this, this connection between them, which, is, which does go back to the, to the so 1920s, we, and obviously you know, goes back earlier. Can I just want us, because we're sort of right on time, but um, if, you're, if, you're, if you're working with subcultures, often what's come out of it is ephemeral. 
because it's not necessarily understood as having, you know, sitting within the canon and therefore not preserved, not conserved the way. Um, did you find it pretty straightforward in locating all this material? Did, were you concerned that to make an exhibition, you, you, need, you need the historical material. documents, you need material? Yes, yes. Ah, so, okay. No, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy, but, but um, we need three years. Three years? For this exhibition, yes. Three years. But every, every artist and band, they said, yes, it's very interesting and they want to take part in the exhibition. But the license, where they didn't know where's the license for music, for the videos, they didn't know it. It's a long time ago. And I have to recherchieren to a chef. To research. Research. And yes. We would say that, that, that galleries and museums are one of the last places where you can say difficult things, that it's becoming so much harder to make any sort of critical, um, analytical representation of our history. And galleries are one of the places where yes. you can because still do that. Are more free. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It is really a pleasure to see it here in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit quaint, really, isn't it? <laughs> I think what all those subcultures have in common is that there are young people who want to protest against their parents or parent generations. I think that's what they all have in common. Let it be the hippie movement and let it be, yeah. There, there is really that strong, I do my own thing and I want you to be shocked and to dislike but it. But it's difficult today because everything has taken, isn't it? You think it's more difficult to yes. protest yes. against the parents? Yes, more difficult. The parents are getting complicit in this. They also want to protest against the, against the parents. <laughs> yes. They want to be kids. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. But but it's it's interesting because uh, in Germany, very young people visit the exhibition and they're very interested interested and they said to me, wow, in the 80s you could show such videos on the television, that's not possible. The the, the video from the Turkish door is with the little boy and the Nazi. Yeah, well, we live in times of, of over-political correctness. Yeah. And maybe we wouldn't dance the Mussolini and the Adolf Hitler today. No, we wouldn't. You know some, some artists who... Or the Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God, yeah. 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 <laughs> If, you, if you're interested, to spend the time, see the films, and, and read the catalogue. It's so informative, both, both ways of receiving information and experiencing the show. Thank you. And we think it's a terrific exhibition. Thank you very, Thank you very, very much. much. Thank you.